0: Strategies LLC. The Broadcast. Becky. Micah. Abby Lee. Podcast. Strategy. The Remix Project Chicago. Women. Communications. Chicago. Welcome back to the second episode of the broadcast. It's a podcast dedicated to showcasing women who are making an impact on Chicago and their communities through business and civic engagement and other means. And all this is possible due to our amazing sponsors. We have the Remix Project Chicago and Ventus Holdings. And I'm Becky Carroll. I'm the president and CEO of C Strategies. Uh, Here's just a little bit about me. I'm a two-decade veteran of high-profile political and public policy campaigns. I served on the 2008 Obama campaign, where I was the national director of Women for Obama. I'm a lifelong Chicagoan. I've served on lots of boards that promote leadership roles for women in politics and women's health, as well as family and workplace issues.
1: Awesome. Glad to be back with you. Number two. And I'm Micah Stambaugh. I'm the vice president of C-Strategies. I'm a journalist, and entrepreneur with about 13 years of experience working in both the newsroom and on the front lines of the business world as an entrepreneur. In 2008, I opened my first business and won an Emmy for my work at CBS2 News Chicago. Currently, I serve on two boards for the YWCA Metropolitan Chicago and Susan G. Komen. So I'm super excited to kick off this podcast number two with you ladies. Uh, Becky and I are here with three amazing women representing our city, county, and state branches of government. We have Cook County Commissioner Bridget Gaynor, city clerk Anna Valencia, and Illinois Senator Toy Hutchinson. And today we're going to be discussing the women's role in politics and government in the wake of the recent November 2016 presidential election. Which left us with forty five D T whatever you wanna call him. But uh...
2: the orange man with the tiny hands. <laughs> 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 Don't hold back, and yeah. Don't hold and, back. And
1: we're we're thirty seconds in. Okay. I love yes. it. Here well,
0: we we're super excited to have you, ladies, because we knew that you would have some opinions mm-hmm. um, that you would like to share with our listeners. Isn't it amazing when women have
3: opinions? I know. Just <laughs> disconcerting. Us is I think the way. word. It when is when they're not asked to
0: sit down in
1: the Senate and oh, smile. Oh no, and mm-hmm. smile.
0: No, we are sitting today, but by our own accord. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> and persisting.
3: And
0: persisting. <laughs> and persisting. Always persisting. So we're kind of on the heels of the women's march um, in January, which drew millions of women from. All across the world, including hundreds of thousands here in Chicago, all three of you there were, of course, um, in attendance, Uh, and the momentum really hasn't died down, especially since Trump has given us so many reasons to stay fired up from his recommendation of a Supreme Court nominee who thinks bosses should dictate to women whether or not they can access birth control, to a new AG who has a history of hostility towards African Americans and women, and we're only a few weeks into the new administration, so. As women in political leadership roles, um, what is your view on how we can best kind of harness our frustration and channel it in a way to successfully push back on Trump's policies and positions? Bridget Koehner?
4: You know, I think the the biggest thing is to stay on the course, you know, kind of play the long game. I think our biggest fear is that all of this activity feels like New Year's Day at the gym. We're all in it, we're all excited. We, we've got to keep that momentum going. And I think you know Anna and I were out at the protest at the airport together after the, the Muslim ban, and that type of activity is, is really important because what it does is once you've been out protesting with someone about an issue you both care about, it's not so far to go to the next step to say, you know, I need you to come to something because there may be big changes in health care that really, A, they disproportionately affect women, but I think our biggest fight as we look at this next year is what's going to happen to the ACA I mean, that was a, one of the most fundamental accomplishments of any president in the last generation, and for women and their children, that absolutely changed things. And so our focus now, at least my focus, in fact, Wednesday I'm going to be, uh, Pat O'Connor and I, Alderman O'Connor and I are doing a joint hearing at city council to have people be able to come and talk about what are the things we really need to make sure stay in place for the ACA. So you've got to channel that protest activity and turn it into policy activity.
0: Absolutely. And we just saw, too, that the uh, ACA, apparently they're trying to roll back some funding for children with disabilities, which is just insanity. So, Anna, what have you been doing with your time to channel your frustration now that you're newly into office and you have this, you know, great new platform in which to communicate with people?
2: Locally, I think that the only thing keeping me sane the last two months was focusing on this new role as the city clerk. And also a lot. I've been working a lot on the immigration front. And Bridget mentioned we were at that O'Hare Airport. And I think there's a lot going on in our immigrant communities, uh, refugee communities, that people are fear fear all of our communities. LGBTQ, the African American community, the women community. We just aren't sure what this president's policies are going to keep happening and and rolling out. So right after the election, uh, we set up the legal fund with the city of Chicago. And that has 1.3 million in it right now, um, but it's not going to be near as much as we need. And so I think one thing that I see as this role is um, not only just for the immigrant community, but how do we get all of Chicagoans to feel safe and secure, and how do we get the right information? Because there's so much misinformation out there mm-hmm. and rumors so how do we get that um, out to citizens so that they're armed and understand what's actually happening in D.C. and organize around that? Um, and so that's what I've been really kind of focusing on the last month. A lot, too, of talking to young women. They feel fired up and engaged and really want to run for office. They want leadership posts. Uh, they want to get involved because they feel they can't just sit back and watch their country um, and policies happen by men that make these policies and be surrounded by cabinet members that don't look like us that are making decisions and we're not at the table so i've been having lots of conversations with young women encouraging them to find the right path whether that's running for office which i certainly encourage but it also could be uh getting involved for the first time in the right organization or movement and so that we keep this steady drumbeat going not just this year but two years from now, when the governor's race is up here in Illinois, and there's a lot of decisions that need to be made here in Illinois locally that we can control. And so there'll be a lot of important decisions that we need to engage these women and um, these different young people to keep them engaged in the political process.
0: I kind of feel like, Toy, you're, you're fighting two fronts. You've yeah. got the Trump <laughs> front, and now you've got the Ronner front, as if you didn't have your hands full enough.
3: Right. I was just thinking, listening to Bridget and Anna, I was thinking about... Um, I'm spending a lot of time really working on the intersectionality of these issues. So when we talk about the engagement of women, the engagement of all kinds of different women Mm -hmm. and making sure that all kinds of different women feel comfortable in this movement. One of the things that I point out on a regular basis is like this movement doesn't work unless you can see your face in mine and I can see my face in yours. That I can't be the fullest person I'm supposed to be without you standing next to me. So this is one of those in in this moment when um, everyone's involved and everyone wants, and there are people who are protesting for the first time. They've never, never done anything like this. Um, It is really about um, sustaining that action through number one, self-care, because when you get bombarded with a whole lot of negative energy and a whole lot of negative images, and I know within the African-American community, it can be extremely difficult to constantly see images of death and dying and and um, the self-care that you need to do to take care of yourself in the midst of all that so you can still have the strength and the stamina to fight um, and to resist mm-hmm. is really, really important, which means sometimes you have to get off social media. Sometimes you have to take a break from all of that just kind of coming into your space because it can be really overwhelming. And when just you're like constantly, seeing, absolutely. <laughs> and when you're constantly seeing images and I just know for me, I have two sons, my oldest son is 20. And so that, that means statistically, he is more likely to be on drugs and a game or dead from some kind of something over having a college degree or becoming successful or giving me grandbabies one day. And so it would be parental malfeasance if i didn't if i didn't train him for how some people in the world see him yeah. but it's also very important for me to not completely be inundated with images of young african american boys in trouble or young african american girls in trouble or you know just a lot of pain that is that is it it can be self-care is really important in when you're beginning this resistance kind of movement and so I am really focused on, you know, if we make an argument for women making 70 cents on the dollar, make sure that you're saying for African-Americans and Hispanic women, it's less. Mm-hmm. You're, you're now looking at between 59 cents and 63 cents on the dollar. Or if you are looking at um, uh, economic development issues in certain communities, it's like, you know, on one hand, we'll hear, we need more police. We need more police. It's like, no, we need more prevention. Right. We need more. We need more programs that actually work towards anti-violence. That you know, in 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 this space that we're in right now, I keep thinking we have to do a better job at talking about justice in the space of talking about equality. It's very difficult for me to get to equality if right. I don't have they're justice all first. They're tied together, they're tied together, but they're different depending right. on each you know kind of subgroup that's in that's in the whole. And we need for all these voices to have a place and a home to be able to talk. So. My heart is so open and so wide right now for meeting new people who are just coming to this and and then telling people who've been in this for a long time, don't be upset about the new ones that are coming. I don't care what brought you here. I'm happy you're here. Right. I don't care why you're protesting for the first time now. I'm happy you're protesting for the first time now. And we have to be able to be. A space that models what it is we want to see out in the world amongst ourselves.
1: I think that's so that's so important because there are protests everywhere going on right now and some of them aren't peaceful and they're not productive. And I I you know working in news, covering those protests, I've covered you know the when NATO was here, it's you 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 I was so frustrated because I'm like you have so much more potential reach when you're peaceful and you have a plan and you have and your message is getting out there when you're aggravating people and you're abrasive and you're being rude they they just ignore your message and it's and it gets lost yeah there's a thing going around right now,
3: and this is actually I've seen this a couple of times come up in my in my Facebook feeds and friends have you know pushed it over and it's and it was um done by the uh daughter of Coretta Scott King and she makes the point remember to focus on the policies that we're upset about because if you swim, if you get dragged down into that anger, into that into the gutter, into the gutter, where all of the, that's that is where they they already know how to handle that. Right. They know mm-hmm. they know what they want, they want to do. To that's where they want us to go. That's so what they want say, us to be. Look at
0: them. Look at these. That's guys. like Michelle Obama said. When they go low. We, we go, go high. high. I mean, it's and it's really hard, that simple. but it's right. really hard. It hard.
3: It's and it's also hard when you have this fragility. Like they can come out and say the most evil, <laughs> racist, misogynistic ridiculous things and, and then when you say something back that made me factual then you're the one playing the race card or you're the one playing the woman card or yeah, the, the alternative, really good facts. Or the alternative <laughs> right. facts or the fake de- news right. so fake it's really news. it is yeah. really difficult that's what I mean by practicing self-care in the midst of all of this stuff like you can't you can't fill up somebody else's cup with some water if yours is empty you can't be a sponge when it
1: comes to this that's you have to right. repel
3: You really do.
0: You really do.
1: And and that segues into our next question because really every day something new is being thrown at us, right, from this administration. Um, It seems that he's just working to undermine so many policies and issues that we all care about. And he's doing it super quickly that it feels like he's possibly trying to distract us from his bigger plan. Um, So thinking of the next four years of Donald Trump, what is the one issue, and you you can only pick one, (laughs) (laughs) that will keep you up at night?
3: Mine is bodily autonomy. And this is that's how I describe reproductive rights and that sits in the middle of reproductive justice kind of stuff. My ability to manage and choose and decide what to do with my own body mm-hmm. is so intrinsic to freedom. You can't be free if you cannot control, if you don't have bodily autonomy. There's nothing, there is no... Name. I can't even think of anything. Like name something in a man's life that everybody else gets to have an opinion about. <laughs> you no, know, my ability to uh, decide how and when or if I have children, how many I have, how long that that impacts how long I'm gonna live, what my health care is, what my retirement's gonna be. That that so fits into like the economic stream, how I navigate any of those things. The ability for me to control my being is intrinsic to being a free person in this world and that to me is one of those for young women who do not know what it's like not to have access to birth control and do not know what it's like to be in a situation where you your choices are severely limited by things that are out of your control is a very if there's anything that keeps me up at night about like that it's because I have ovaries and so does my daughter and so for the next 4 years i we have to be vigilant about making sure that she is able to navigate this world on her own terms, in her, by her own merits, with decisions she makes with her own advisors. It's not something you need to discuss with anybody else. That is, mm-hmm. that, if there's one thing that would keep me up at night, it's that. That's a pretty good you know, one. I think,
4: when I think about that autonomy piece, it leads me to this, everything around people's ability to work in a dignified way and support themselves and their families. So all these things that we've done, I mean, Toy and I are both working on, we passed paid sick leave at the county. county she's level, working yeah. on it at the state. Your ability to raise a family and take a day off work if you or your child are sick, the ability to have a minimum wage that is actually reflective of some capacity to support yourself mm-hmm. and, and a family. And then you get into the next thing around what are the rights that we as you know as workers in an economy are going to have and are you seen as just like one more cog in the wheel or are you seen as a valued part of the equation that says we're not going to be successful as a country unless everybody has the ability to live with dignity and not to be at the edge of desperation all the time and if I think about all of us you know especially those here who have children you understand that you you give up the control over your destiny once you have a child And not just about your happiness and those things, but you don't have the ability to kind of set your own direction because you have other, you have someone else to worry about. And so how do you navigate that as someone who isn't just working to live, but actually is able to have a career that's fulfilling? And that feeds into, you know, the baseline is things like paid sick leave and a minimum wage that's real. But the next thing goes into things around like workplace fairness and sexual harassment and how much do we value diversity in the workplace. And I don't mean talking about it. I mean like, are we going out of our way to make sure that the workplaces we are in are welcoming to other people? Because, I mean, Jamie Dimon had a great quote the other day, you know, and hardly the communists, you know. So he says, look, if I'm going to hire from everybody and you're only hiring from some of the team, I'm going to have a better team. And we have to see that reflected from the top. And so if you look at the cabinet appointees, you know, there's one, it's, it's very, it's a very limited pool. And we all know that when you only have limited amount of thinking, it's, it's not what the country needs. So I think about our ability, not just as women, but as people that don't come from inherited wealth to navigate through this life in a way that is free and dignified and you're able to pass on to your children, something other than the constant stress of operating at the edge of scarcity. That is so, and it's, that is so
3: much bigger than whether or not you want to have the baby. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, like that's so much bigger than what happens as a result of what you do with your lady parts. Yeah. Like this is, this is bigger than that. This is. Because
4: that's a 50 year question. Right. know, And I see that, and it hits you at different times of your life. I say this to young women, you know, I've also had a corporate career for many, many years. And. Women enter in at half of the population, but guess what? They just drop, 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 Mm -hmm. drop, drop. There are three females who are the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies in this in this country,
2: and we don't make it easy for them to be successful. We don't, and because we're not willing to change the work environment, which we should change the work environment to fit the needs of the woman who's hello raising the next generation of leaders. Exactly, it's the the
3: pipeline, and they call There is a pipeline of talent, but ours leaks. Called a yeah. Leaky pipeline. And it happens at various stages. Like it's the it's the fact that we can go see a movie called Hidden Figures, and nobody even knows how, know how do we not the know that story? That was how do we not know that that didn't happen? It. It, right. Absolutely. <laughs> like or I was that there mad were these at myself. Women yeah. Who were human computers? Right. So I, I was thinking the other day, I was like, if you think about the the timeline of that. So you have these people who get hired by the NACA, which is the precursor to NASA. So they get hired. Because they don't trust the machines, they're like, "Have the girl do the numbers." So, to, and these are people mapping flight paths in right. in space and <laughs> out, so, of head, out of their not head, not on a computer. And so then one of them becomes like the first engineer at NASA. Yeah, but it takes another forty years I for know. an African American woman to actually make the trip. That yep. becomes Mae Jemison mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety two, I think. So the fact that we didn't know that story, mm. how many girls, how right. how many how right. many young girls, you know, are told, well, "You're not good at math." Mm-hmm. you're not good at science boys are engineers or is there any of those things and you when boys I are
2: builders boys are yeah. builders
3: like walking down the toy the toy aisle and all the princess stuff and then all the, yeah <laughs> and you know and then all the erector sets and lego things and all the rest of that stuff i love that little commercial with the little girl who's like what if mm-hmm. i want to build something what if i want <laughs> what if, what if a <laughs> lego so she's like Stop. right <laughs> so it is it is when when i think about how today what we're worried about today and we have so much information in an in a society that is the most entertained and the least informed
2: mm-hmm. very right least um. informed.
0: i
3: mean i mean what, i know when it takes 40 you... years
0: to hear a story right. like that and we're informed people i right, mean, right. right. and she so was
2: what... 93 when she finally got the congressional um right. medal of honor but what, what is that president. like
0: saying you always like to say you can't you can't, can't...
2: be what you can't see yeah yeah mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Yeah. And it's true. I mean, you look at the Trump cabinet right now. I mean, it's like 99% all white guys. I mean, what message does that send to every other And it's little not girl and it's not and,
2: like we're actually better in our own party. We have to take oh, right. a tough look at that. I read an article oh, that the yes. that the only African American chief of staff in the in the Senate was on the Republican side. Right. Right. So, I if I we want to give tough love, we got to right. give some tough love to our own party because I didn't even know growing up that politics or government wasn't, wasn't an option, was a, was a career. And, you know, all of my mentors in the past have been white men in this field and campaign and politics had gotten my start. I've only worked for white men as, as candidates. Yep. So I think, too, we as collectively here now that we're in that women elected official spot is we've got to pump up women. Not only to run for office, but manage. They can manage office, and support, they and can, lead. And lead. They can be the political directors. They can be the managers. They can be the finance director, the press secretaries. They can play all the vital roles. They can be your media consultant. They can be your pollster, and some of those things that we don't often see either. Um, right. And I think we can do a better job too as That's Democrats. That's one of
3: my favorite Anna stories, though. Because you plug for Anna. Because that is one of my favorite Anna stories. Because when I first met her, she was running my campaign. <laughs> so, the, so she was working with the Senate Democratic Caucus. I'm one of the targeted races. So I'm the first African-American woman holding my seat. Yeah, this firecracker come in. And I'm looking at her, I'm <laughs> like, where did she come from? Like, like and, and she's not just running my campaign. She's providing direction for all of the Senate campaigns that were happening that mm-hmm. year. So you know, I was young. She was young. She was younger than me. <laughs> I don't know about how, <laughs> how much younger. But she was younger than me. But it is literally like you see the trajectory that happens when you get a shot.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. When you get a, shot. You get a right. shot. One foot in the door. A right. It's a trajectory. Like I'm not asking you to. I'm not asking you to give you me the job. Just give open me a the
0: door. To I'll earn I'll the get, job. i yes. myself. <laughs> yes. Right. I'll go in and get it myself. Just open the door. Right. Just
2: open the door. It's so important. If you just open the door, then and that's where we have to. I feel like. Do our due diligence through these next four years. And, you know, I just ask my fear and, and then I'll go into what I want to do about it. My parents, I think about my parents. My mom's here today watching the podcast. She actually, I hope she doesn't care about me sharing this story, but she actually lost her job a year and a half ago at the age of 60 because of Bruce Rauner. He cut their nonprofit budget, and downstate we don't have a lot of foundation funding. And the first people to go were the people who didn't have degrees or didn't have this. So there's a point system. It was all the older women in the in the organization didn't matter. She was there for 20 years and wrote all the grants. So you know, I saw her trajectory over the last year. Try to figure out what it meant to be kind of in this new role. And um, my dad also is on dialysis and waiting for a kidney uh, transplant, and um, he's doing great. But I worry because I have parents that are older and have health issues. What happens in, if they roll back the ACA, or what happens if they do something with Social Security or Medicare? Because my mom had to get Social Security earlier than she thought, um, or unemployment benefits. These are the things that hurt a lot of middle-class families, and I think uh, with my husband's family too. You know, they have. Um, so also medical needs on, on my husband's side and so we support a lot of our family and I feel like there's a generation like mine that are called the sandwich generation so when people ask me do you want to have children of course I want to have a family but you think through okay can I have a family also help my parents because I would never let my parents go without they did everything for me so I'm the type of family that would say my parents would move in with us you know right. so you have to think through On the other side is people who have worked their whole lives, you know, we're going to have a pension, have health insurance, have Social Security because they thought it would be there, and then you have Republicans in Congress saying they're going to privatize it or they're going to look at Social Security or they're going to take away benefits or if your pension's not going to be there because the state, you know, can't get its pension stuff together. So those are real concerns. I think that keeps me up at night because people who have worked hard And thought that they'd have retirement may not. And so I really challenge this, this, you know, Republican Congress and the president to make sure that they when you have a cabinet full of billionaires, who's going to be the one at the table telling you when you're about to make these decisions are going to really hurt middle class families, what that could do to their families. And so that's what perspectives—not right. just that they're all white men, but they're billionaires—and they and they can't relate. And they can't relate.
0: It's just that simple. It's just you just almost that can't hold against some people because they just don't have the experience. They don't have the people in their lives that they're witnessing this happening to every single day. That's why you need diversity, no matter what you do, no matter where you are, because you need to bring those different perspectives and experiences. Yeah. So I'm gonna skip over one of my questions because it kind of this conversation kind of goes into another one I was gonna ask and there is a lot of fear and uncertainty out there. Um, I mean, I feel it myself and I feel like I'm a pretty secure person. I got a great gig. I got great family, friends, but you can't help but wake up every day and read these news uh, articles and just think like, what the hell is going on? So um, you know, with all these moves Trump's made so far though, is there maybe some kind of a silver lining in all this? I kind of feel like Trump's woke a lot of people up, if anything, right? Like people have never protested before. People have never spoken up before. People never thought like, oh my God, my livelihood is like at risk. So is there a silver lining?
4: You know, I'll give one anecdote because I actually think that's a worthwhile point because a lot of the issues we're talking about right now, the state of the country and general unease around especially economic issues, wouldn't be wildly different if Hillary Clinton had won, because you'd still have these fundamental issues in the economy, she wouldn't be taking this certain road. But, you know, so about two years ago, with everyone here in this room, we launched off the sidelines. And Mm -hmm. it's the whole point is, you know, we had all these conversations with women who were saying, you know, I want to do something, but I can't figure out what to do, because our time is our most valuable asset. And so our thought was, look, let's just scrunch the time between you got an idea, this is how you get plugged into action. So we have a lunch every month, and we pick different issues. And, and last time it was kind of post-election and New Year's and what are we thinking? And 25 people were coming to the lunch and three days, the three days before the lunch, we had 80 people show up. So on Friday, there's 80 people. I had to switch rooms three times to get all these people in here. And it was kind of like, I'm on it. Like I, you know, so someone's working on voter suppression stuff and someone else is working on, we're planning this, you know, this joint hearing around the ACA at city council on Wednesday. And there's, I think it's a moment where people, exactly what you just said, Becky, holy cow, maybe it's actually, maybe it's not okay. Maybe I need to actually do something that I haven't done before. And I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the way Tori talked about young women who take for granted their rights because they've never had to actually fight for them. You know, you don't appreciate something you were handed. It's just a fact of life. And so if we look at people fighting for their political rights and their political values, that's probably a lesson that everybody needs to relearn because you could be a perfectly, you know, sociable left-of-center democrat for the last generation without ever having to step outside anybody's right. comfort zone. And right. you know what? You cannot be that anymore because, you know, if you look at what's happening with civil rights and the judiciary and all those things going down the pike, you either got to step out and make a decision to take action or you got to say I don't really care about people around me because I'm not affected.
3: Right? Mm-hmm. That was, I saw this amazing meme that was literally, if you ever wondered what you would have done during the civil rights movement, yep. what are you doing now during this civil rights movement? Mm-hmm. So if you ever wondered if you would have marched, are you marching now? Mm-hmm. If you ever wondered if you would have stood up, if you would have been able to, you know, like I, I used to say all the time, could I have taken a hose? You know, it's like, I I know that uh, Nashville, Tennessee was one of the first cities to desegregate the lunch counters in my parents went to Tennessee State University and a lot of those folks were you know they were college they were kids they were college students it wasn't it wasn't 40 year olds out there taking hoses and dogs and and things like that in the street that wasn't who was doing it It was it's always been the young people and so I look at myself now at 43 and I know that you know if we're all if this is like if, if this is a big war everybody's got to man their battle stations like yep. what's your station where are you supposed to be and I um, everyone doesn't get to sit in a seat that I sit in right now. The silver linings I'm seeing now is that, you know, the, the engagement that you're seeing and, and people talking about it, like to Anna's point, you, you can't be what you can't see. I say that all the time. Like, I need you to see me because you can't, how do you grow up to say that's what I want to be? So my goddaughter, who's nine, um, said very simply and matter of factly, I want to go into politics so i can write laws good laws for women and girls nice she's nine <laughs> she's nine miss mckay she is nine out. and in that moment you know i i just i grabbed her i was like you're going to come down you're going to come sit in the committee with me you're going like, <laughs> you to on that now. <laughs> we're going to start on this right now but i what i love about it was that all the adults are talking about how there's no nothing good can come from government. Nobody cares about mm-hmm. what it is you're doing. You know, which is another part mm-hmm. of suppression. Mm-hmm. Government yep. is evil and corrupt. No, there's right. nothing you can do about it, and nobody cares. Which is like just wash your hands, and you don't want to be involved. We got to change
2: that narrative. We have yeah.
3: got to change. And to see these children, I mean, these children that are like stepping up. We got little motivational speakers. We got little folks who, you know, see an issue. They have. I mean, it is. It is. It is warming my heart to see these kids who want to come out and say something and they're challenging adults to say something you know like we can't vote but you can and we want to say something that is
2: I agree um, and I'll say that I'm one of those people that have been inspired and I'll share one little story about Bridget I um was it was O'Hare protest and a friend of mine called and said are, you you know you should come and I had to actually just done an event with Senator Durbin Gutierrez and the mayor, Congressman Gutierrez and the mayor, and uh, I text Bridget I was like are are you going to this protest and she goes. <laughs> Hell yeah, my kids are already making signs. I said, (laughs) All right, well I'm gonna go. And you know, and I got there and she, you know, got me to she got me up there and she's like, you know, do you wanna speak? And I was like, No, I'm just gonna like, you know, she's like, You should speak and Bridget, she got right up there because sometimes it's all the men will go up and speak. And I'm like, Hello, like there's also women here but you know, I will say I've never protested before. I always believed in um that's probably the first protest my husband and I went to together. I mean, we did the Women's March, but this one was personal for us um, with Riyadh's family. But it was great to be encouraged by Bridget to say, "Yes, you should come." And and um, and even you, Toy. Like, I feel that you two are very authentic women leaders and have been very helpful in shaping me as well. And like, I'm watching you both, and you should know that that others are watching and feel motivated, inspired by you both to to put myself more out in the front to raise my hand to speak to you know get in the front of the line for things and take your place honey yeah (laughs) same. both are so i will say that it's very refreshing coming in as being a a first-time elected official and my generation i think is very excited and wants to get there they're just trying to figure out how and how to sustain it um and so i think you'll see a lot i think that is a silver lining becky you're right so there is some good <laughs> something
0: here to come of all this.
2: And the the uh, court system right. shut them down. Which I'm just great. like, Trump, keep like
0: defaming the courts because they'll just return, reply in kind. Right. So yeah. I, I think it.
4: more people have been thinking about separation of power since they took the Constitution test. Like, um, I mean, I, I think we need to get that whole like conjunction junction or what was how to build a law like right. Schoolhouse yeah. Rock. I'm just, I'm I love think love I love we need it. to. I'm just about right. And I, right. you know, my, because my daughter's <laughs> taking her Constitution yeah. test. She's you. taking her Constitution test. And so we're talking about all this stuff. And I was like, in living color. Just right. turn on happening. the TV. Right, right. This is right how it now. works. Yep. And so that has been really interesting. And I think the Supreme Court nomination is going to be really fascinating to see how it goes down. I mean, at one of the things, I mean, to Anna's point about we can't just point to the other side. We got work in our own party. I mean, the amount of senators who voted for some of these nominees was, you're like, well, what's up with that? Right. I mean, you know, and, and it, there was this idea that. There's a time to be collegial and work together, and there's a time to say, like, here's the line, and I'm not crossing it, and
3: neither are you. So. Yeah, yeah, there are I agree. a lot I... of people who just they're like it is palpable, like within the African American community. When they say, like, you know, we've had some really horrible times and some really horrible governments and some really horrible, like, state sanctioned, um laws and things that just did not help you know neighborhoods look the way they do because of a reason Mm -hmm. and the you know our tax code is built because to benefit a certain class of people and it's the criminal justice system the criminal justice system all of those things and so there you know there are uh, many many of us who are like this is not this is how can this be any worse Mm -hmm. than what we're already seeing And then I had one girlfriend who just completely like the the broke the levity in the middle of that. So we were all sitting around lamenting. And people are like, This is I mean, okay, we'll get through this. We always get through this. We're strong. We're gonna get through this. She said, Yeah, we used to be slaves. We ain't trying to go back. <laughs> no, it, like, stop acting like there's nothing we can do as a result of this. There there's so much that you can do, and it has everything to do with the fact that more people are coming into the realization. Yep. that you have a role to play. Mm-hmm. And and you can't identify people who are disadvantaged without acknowledging the advantage. Who has right. an advantage? If I'm disadvantaged, who has an advantage?
4: Right, because right, if you've I, had an advantage, then equality looks like oppression. Right. So, you know, all of a sudden you're like, well, that's not fair. You're like, boy, it is actually – that's what fair looks like.
1: (laughs) It's interesting. I I definitely have been fired up, but I've taken a a different approach, and I've always been really good at, you know, something that pulls at my heartstrings. I see something in my neighborhood, or I see – I hear my sister say something, or I see someone that I know go through something because I didn't know another way. So I've really – Engaged and use my platform to create change and influence, you know, girls through the why. We have Mm -hmm. the Tech Girls program. We, we, I mean, our 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 mission is to empower women and eliminate racism. So I've really come out swinging um, with the ability since we don't have a budget state budget we're not getting any funding right. so i've really just grassroot campaign kind of taken to the next level like i'm about to go door to door <laughs>
3: and you know that's the other part like so you we're talking about what's happening federally yes right? because if we don't get this handled at the state oh. you have you are doubling the impact doubling. when you talk about
0: Exactly. When there is
3: a restriction, so when they say, you know, like, no state, no spending, no state spending, no federal spending, the deficit, the deficit, the deficit, (laughs) right? When you talk about those things, it is an easy way to obscure the fact that when you restrict governmental funding, there's an economic multiplier. Yeah. So, like, if if, if you shut down all the nonprofits in a certain area. Right. Then the people who work at the nonprofits are now not, you know, they're they're in the same line that they were doing. Not only are the services in jeopardy, but everyone who worked at the place is yeah. in jeopardy. Any of the contracts that they had out, if nobody in the neighborhood can afford to go get a cup of coffee, the coffee shop closed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If I can't afford to go out to dinner, you don't need to hire another waitress. Exactly. So, so th- those multipliers, we can't keep acting like there's not an econ- There's there aren't some economics of poverty that keep neighborhoods the way they are, and if we don't get this under control. We have a federal issue, we have a state issue, and it doesn't do anything but compound it in the areas that never recovered from the recession yeah. in the first right. place. I
1: agree. Right. So, you know, how do you use your position to become a platform to, you know, get your word out, you know, promote women, um, going to wake people up to the state of the What's state? What's happening, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Unfor- well, so I thought you were going to say, how do you how You do need me to come down and march down there yeah, for you? Yeah, I know. I was like, how do you know? you it's like I drink wine. There. Don't y'all drink <laughs> wine. <laughs> wine <laughs> <helps>. um, <laughs> I have these kinds of conversations. But one of the things right now, I'm chair of revenue, and I make jokes all the time about being chair of the Senate No Revenue Committee because we don't have any revenue. But it allows me to talk about taxes in the space of what taxes pay for. Because we don't have that conversation. We never... You know, if you ask anybody outright, do you want to pay any more... Nobody wants to pay any more taxes. No. Nobody right. ever wants to do that. But they want their potholes fixed. And they want a good library. And they want a park for their kids to go to. Those are and your property taxes. <laughs> and a good school. Those are your property taxes. And a
1: grocery store.
3: And they want... they, You know, <laughs> if someone in your family has early onset dementia, you want services for that. If you... We have an incredible state university system that... Half of, half of their bond statuses are going to junk. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we're not... Fun- so if you want to <laughs> know why tuition is skyrocketing, it's because we have decimated funding to our public universities. None of this stuff happens in silos. So it's one thing to tell me no. It's another thing for me to say back to you what you're saying no to. Right. And until we make the connection that the taxes you pay are supposed to pay for something. Right. And then we can start thinking about this as citizens rather than just consumers well it's like you kind of have to a, tell stories so people thing. understand as there's a human impact every time a, and a face to this to exactly. every dollar on that spreadsheet and if you
0: don't know someone personally and right. as are you do you just don't know it um there's got to be someone or something out there delivering the message so people just understand what's really at stake and you've like been really involved in groups like dreamers and chicago scholars to try to help women and yes. immigrants of first generations at the early level. that always seems like something that you've really tried to pour like your platform into.
2: Yes. I think, yeah, if I had to say what my platform for the next, well, I think the last five years, especially Chicago scholar, young people, that pipe, that pipeline of mm-hmm. talent. Um, I'll tell a quick story. So five years ago when I was coming into the mayor's campaign, I was looking for, you know, diverse candidates for the organizers. And I could barely find, candidates even with the senate dems you're looking for candidates you couldn't find them in politics it was weird well just i didn't have the right resumes right fast forward to i'm hiring now for the city clerk's office i had phenomenal candidates of just you know different walks of life and women and just amazing candidates for my cabinet and just to be on my team so many resumes i had to like i was sending them around you know sending them to different offices It's amazing to see the cultivation of talent that we have and that the pipeline is getting fuller from five years ago. And that's what I want to continue to see is women and women of color and even men, men of color, um, You know, get these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Get get their get in leadership roles in government because that is how you're going to see them become chief of staffs at major agencies. You're going to be see them yep. at you know CEO of uh, Chicago public schools at the table making huge policy decisions. You need decisions to give them that foot in kids. the door. Yeah, and they'll take it there. And they'll take right. it there. So that is what I really want to um, use this platform is, is building women and women of color, empowering them in leadership roles. Um, staying connected with Chicago scholars the dreamers and and the immigrant community there's a lot going on there of just you heard over the weekend raids in different cities and just the heartbreak of stories of these students these DACA students who signed up gave their information to the federal government 750,000 of them said you know came out of the shadows. said I'm going to work working have successful careers and to be The fact that they could be shipped back to a country they don't even know or didn't grow up there is terrifying. So there's a lot that we're working on um, with the legal fund and raising money uh, so that we can help at least get the word out and get the right information. So that's what I'll be working on. I think that's still my passion.
0: That's good. And for better or worse, it's still needed.
2: And until there's a point where you don't need it, then
0: you could back off. But that's not happening anytime soon, probably. (laughs)
4: So, you know, following up on on that, is that, how do you get people into this, how do you get them on the ladder in that first rung? So one of the things that I, so in addition to the Cook County Land Bank, which we've talked about a little bit, but this whole concept, I want to take this idea of apprenticeships outside of just the skilled trades. Mm -hmm. You know, the skilled trades have done, and labor unions have done a good job, because what they do is they stay close to what the employer wants, and then they match the training to the employer, and there's this constant feedback loop. In the rest of the economy, we kind of say to people, go to college, figure mm-hmm. it out, mm-hmm. and then come out, and hopefully you'll get a job. And, right. you know, Doesn't I, not work I went way. to U of I. Right. I you know. think, Anna, you went there, too. Right. Yeah. I you did, know, too. It, yeah. So <laughs> all three of us. But yeah. when I went to U of I, it was $7,000 a year. Right. And I was able to waitress at the Martinique 95th and Western, you know, and pay for that. And that. And I didn't. Ha- I left without any loans. Yeah. You can't I do that. Can no. no. that $28,000 no. a year now. No. Just like so, you can't
0: raise a family on just a one-person income anymore no, either. No. So we – this whole
4: idea – so, you know, there's a couple of companies in Chicago who have launched this idea in financial services. Aon's one of them. And it's it's where, you know, you go to city colleges, you work, you go to school, say, 30% of the time, you work 70% of the time, and you're able to build and learn. And it's better for the company and it's better for the, the, the young person because you're not putting all the risk – on this 18-year-old to say, figure out your path, get trained in the right place, don't take out too much money, but you better get a degree, and then figure out where to work. And that's going to be the, I think, one of my goals is to push that concept in people's minds into the, you know, we got to make apprenticeships look like the economy, Mm -hmm. and the economy isn't just construction.
3: Right. That's a really, that is a really good point, because it, I, the second part to that is financial literacy. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. we also don't teach in schools. Nope. So to the point you raised, Anna, earlier, because I was in the same situation about caring for aging parents. There are a lot of people for whom when they do get you they do everything that you're you go to college, yep. you come out, you're gonna look for your job. But not only did they have to take out a boatload of loans to do it, but they have a they have parents and you know, typically in um, minority communities, this is the norm. You, mm-hmm. This is the norm. You're reaching back to take care of your parents and grandparents. Your money is not moving forward. It's going back.
2: There's no inheritance.
3: So there's no, right. there's nobody bought you a house Mm-mm. or paid, you know, you ended school with no loans. Or your wedding. Like you're already starting from a point where. You're starting, you're starting negative. You're starting in the negative. <laughs> right. And then you have society telling you, you just need to work harder. Uh-huh. You just need to work harder. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Right. Yeah. Someone, nobody, I didn't get gifted a wedding or down payment on a house. Nope. And didn't have, no.
2: <laughs> I'm not what, hating what, if you did. God no, bless you. That's
3: great. Let me move in. But the <laughs> but this it, and I'm trying like even uh, my husband and I are trying to get to a position where we can take care of our children um, so that they're not in that situation mm-hmm. and we don't want them to have to do that for us because we're still doing it. We're doing it for our parents. Yeah. Um, it's a it's it, it is part and parcel the reason for why upward mobility is not what it used to be and we can't keep behaving. Is though it is, so everyone keeps walking around like this American dream. You just have to believe in the American dream. Yeah, you can believe all you want. Right. The statistics tell us that right. the the neighborhood you're born in is probably the one you're gonna die in. Right. Until we are honest about the fact that people don't move amongst the classes anymore, we have a class system and it's turning into a caste system. Exactly. Without things like apprenticeship programs mm-hmm. and plugging the holes in the leaky pipelines mm-hmm. and all the rest of stuff, this takes intention.
0: Well, and I think this is like the first generation now where we're not exceeding our parents in terms of income and the upward mobility, which, you know, we all see it. It's really palpable. Mm -hmm. So on that note, I hate to say this, but Right time. At the end of our, <laughs> oh, I know. Wow. See, I mean, you can just like can go. go on I forever. Go on I, and on. I got a whole bunch of other questions, but you know, at that some point, all good come things back. come to an <laughs> Yes, you can come back for our one-year anniversary. We'll see <laughs> where are we now. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> so, thank you for joining us, ladies.
1: So, of course, before we end, I have to have to plug our listeners. We're looking for sponsors. We want to keep doing this. <laughs> um, if you enjoy our podcast and think. You will benefit, and others will benefit from this conversation. Let's keep it going. Consider sponsoring The Broadcast. For more information, please go to www.cstrategiesllc.com or email Becky and I at becky at or Micah M-I-K-A, at cstrategiesllc.com. And before we
0: totally close, don't forget unlike the City Club where you get a blue mug that will just, you know, break in the dishwasher <laughs> or something, you get your very own The Broadcast lip balm. Oh, yeah. So, yes. every time you put it on, you remember to use your voice and remind oh, you of oh, your really <laughs> on this show.
3: Love thank it. Thank
2: you. <laughs> 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 Thanks, ladies. Useful. Give yourselves a right. hand. Oh, thank Yay. you. Really
1: thank good. you guys for coming. You. It was amazing. I love
2: those Isn't those The Isn't that cool? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't even get it till just now about the oh. broadcast.
3: And it it was a perfect gift. You say, like, lip balm, use your voice. Exactly.
4: I love it. I love I love it.